0: Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come.
1: Hello and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Jesse David Fox. This week's guest is Kathleen Madigan. I've been trying to have Kathleen on for a long time now because I always felt her perspective on and approach to comedy is different than a lot of people we've had on the show. Kathleen is a real deal Died in the Wool road comic. She's arguably the most successful road comic that has ever done it. I can't think of another comedian who has toured theaters for as long as she has without a significant TV or movie role. And it's not like she wanted those things. Again, Kathleen is a road comedian and that's what she wanted to be. She comes from a long line of St. Louis Union workers, and you can see that in her approach to comedy. So the joke we're going to start with comes from her her most recent special, her her sixth, by the way. Uh, It's called Hunting Bigfoot, and it came out earlier this year on Prime Video, and it's just really good. She is a really good comedian, and I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation. So here is Kathleen Madigan.
2: Yeah, I. That's why I think we could use a little bit more to people being nice in public and pleasant. Because I think everybody forgot to behave, how to behave in the general public. Like, I went into a Taco Bell. Yeah, like be nice. It's not that hard. People have just flipped their lids. Like. I went to a Taco Bell, now there's only two girls, they're probably in their 20s, and there's only two employees, because we're not employees anymore. One's trying to fix the drive through which is broken, which is why I went in, and there's one girl that's gonna wait on me, and there's a man ahead of me, he's about mid-60s. She tells him they're completely out of mild sauce, and he loses it, he just loses it, and he starts yelling and screaming, and in my mind, I'm like, dude, that is the last lady on the Titanic handing out life jackets. Like, don't piss her off, because that's the 20-somethings. They will quit, sir. I don't think you understand. They will fucking leave in a minute. And they all agree on that. It's like they formed a union without ever having a meeting. (laughs) I think their union should be called, yeah, no. Because they won't. good for them you know because it never occurred to our generation hey I could just leave here nope never even thought about it oh man this blows but I'm gonna stay because I said I'd stay. but I'm looking at him going he's still yelling at the girl I'm like if she quits sir do you understand we have to do it (laughs) do you know how to make a gordita I don't i want a soft shell chalupa no idea And then I went out to the car and my sister goes, oh, I saw that guy losing his mind, what was he saying? I said, it doesn't even matter what he was saying. I can tell you this though, I know this for uh, certainty, we as a nation are not prepared for war. (laughs) That was mild sauce, not even fire. He went that crazy.
1: I'm here with Kathleen Madigan. Thank you so much for joining me.
2: Yeah, sure. How are you guys?
1: Oh, I'm I'm all right. I'm good. How are you?
2: Fine and dandy.
1: Amazing. Um, so so this Taco Bell joke, when the first experience, when was that? When did you go to this Taco Bell and have whatever this experience was?
2: Well, it was during COVID. So that's why there wasn't hardly anybody in there. And that's why uh the drive-thru wasn't really open, but it was also slash broken. Um and there was just that one crazy man in front of me, and that was. And then I was voted to go in because I was with my sister and her kids. And everybody seems to have decided that if you don't have any kids, you can die. Got it. So like, I had to go do all the for my parents, for my siblings. Where it was right when COVID. Nobody knew what was really going on. Mm-hmm. So if we're gonna sacrifice somebody, I guess it's um, the older siblings without kids. Got it.
1: So. That's, wh- Yeah, so what exactly happens in sort of the non-stage version of the story? Like, what do you actually observe? How does it actually play out?
2: He really flipped out because they were completely out of mild sauce. I went through a a Taco Bell drive-through during COVID, and the guy literally said, like, we're out of um, lettuce, basically everything in a taco except meat. So I'm like, oh, you're just gonna... So, I mean, we were clearly out of a lot of stuff. And this guy just flipped out over the mild sauce. But the good thing about the 20 somethings is is like, your emotion doesn't seem to affect their emotion. Mm -hmm. Like I would have been like, well, it's not my fault. I'm not in charge of the Chinese supply line. You quit yelling at me. And this girl was like, yeah. She just kept like, it didn't, it didn't penetrate. And I thought, I wish I had more of that. Like Mm -hmm. where I could just be yelled at by some idiot and not want to fight back or yell back. so that the the twenty somethings have nailed that they do not care. What and <laughs> which is good, I guess. I don't. I mean, it's probably good for their mental health. How was yeah. work? Fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, well, they don't just, even.
1: Their this being their job does not reflect upon them whatsoever.
2: No, but I mean, even in the moment, yeah, when somebody's yelling at you, I, I think a normal response is to kind of get revved up and want to yell back but you can't because you're an employee she didn't even want to mm-hmm. it was just like yeah like she just let him have this fit and then he took his order and left and then yeah. I waited for the rest of the food and told her I was sorry that guy yelled at her and she's like it happens a lot <laughs> I was like okay well I, I guess I don't care if you don't care why do I care more than you care and it's not even me
1: yeah so yeah, so before you even do anything with it you know especially if this is the beginning of covid you might not be doing material for a while you know what is you know what is the feeling that you're like oh this is a bit like what is when you're living your life what are you what is it like to feel the to clock something that there might be material
2: here i just think there's a glaring generational thing uh that that group uh And I I say I say in my real act too, I don't know if I said it in the special, but I'm glad that they'll just quit. Like I would have my generation, I would have stayed in that terrible job for like 37 more years. And every day I'd be like, I'm gonna say something. I mean, I don't know when, maybe Friday. But like we would just tolerate terrible things. But then this group has almost gone too far to the other end. Like we both could use a little bit. There was a story at my agency about um a kid who was hired as an assistant, and that's a hard gig to get, and you have to go through all these interviews. And she'd been working there like two days. It came in and said, uh, yeah, I'm going to need a Vera desk." Well, I don't know if you've ever Googled those, but those could be anywhere from $2,500 to $10,000, depending yeah. on what. And they're like, no, you have a chair. And she's like, well, then I quit. And she quit after all those interviews to get the gig. It's just astonishing to me. So you yeah. just hear enough of those stories and... I don't know. I just I thought it might resonate with other people.
1: So it was as a person who's sort of observing the world, you have seen this sort of bubbling up. So you're like, oh, this is an example of a thing that I had been noticing. This is an extreme yeah. example yeah. of a thing I'd been noticing.
2: Yeah. The twenty something has come in with a list of demands. And if they're not met, they will quit. Not all of them, but a lot, to, uh, all of people that are in their 40s and 50s are noticing when you're trying to hire them or, or deal with them on some work work level, usually. Yeah. I don't know what they do for fun, but work. Yeah, work-wise. <laughs> uh,
1: your, your comedy um, is rooted in a sort of Midwesterners view of the world. You've talked about this before. Can you talk about how that shapes how you might approach how you see things?
2: Well, I think the Midwest, there's more of a, um, we know we're not the best, you know, like people from New York will be like, New York's the best, and maybe it is, or, or, or even Chicago is a little better than St. Louis or Los Angeles, like the good places. Like, I think we just come into it with more of a, I don't really have an attitude about mm. anything until it's in front of me versus, I don't know, I think. There's a more of a uh I don't I guess we're not as decisive or to that we kinda wait till all the facts are in. More of a mm. middle uh I'll reserve judgment until the end. That's I all ma- I can place on it. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I imagine it's also like people in New York and LA think of themselves as the creators of the cultures or whatever. Like we, yes. so there is something, if you're not from those places, you're like, I, there's inherently an no observational quality to it or an outsider quality to it.
2: It is an outsider thing. Like we're just in the middle watching what's going on. Even the news usually isn't about us. You know, yeah. it's a if it is, it's never good. Never, never, never. You don't want, you know, I don't want to hear Missouri on the nightly news ever. Um, Yeah. We're like sitting around watching what's going on in the world. That's yeah. why like, When people said, well, did you always want to be a comedian? I didn't even know that was a job. Like when I watched the Tonight Show in the Midwest with Johnny Carson, I thought that the people that came on that were funny were just his friends and then like funny people. I don't know. I didn't understand. They went to Vegas then and made a bunch of money. I didn't, I didn't understand that. Like that was a job. Also, if you would have said Hollywood, when you're laying on shag carpeting in the Midwest, you might as well say Mars. Yeah, Like, yeah. it doesn't seem, you don't know anybody that works in the business. You've never heard of anyone. Like, I think of all those jobs nobody told me about in college in the Midwest. Yeah. They tell you there's like six different majors, business, theater, whatever, whatever, whatever. But then you go to a TV show and you see there's lighting people and sound people and grip people and script people. And not that I even would have wanted to do any of that. But I think someone should have told us. <laughs> like. Hey, you know, if you're willing to move, you don't even have said, I mean, I mean, now they film stuff in Atlanta or Chicago, yeah, or yeah. you know, I don't know. I just feel like we do kind of sit by and watch the world go by. But we're also OK with that. I'm yeah, OK. with Yeah, that. that makes sense.
1: So what does writing mean to you? Like when you say I write jokes, I write material, what does that actually entail?
2: Well. I don't really write anything on paper or on a computer like Lewis black, my friend, there's a national comedy museum up in upstate New York. And he said, they'd they'd like to have some of your papers. I said, Lewis, that would just be a giant box of bar napkins with like two words on each bar napkin. And they can't, they're not legible. It wouldn't make, I don't have like a Lewis, like really writes things. And I'm like, yeah, you should, you deposit your stuff on my behalf. I, yeah, I, I just think something, 90% of the things I'd say in my act have truly happened. I just go about my life and then repeat a story from the day. Like there was one on the special about the guy at Lowe's. <laughs> I am frequently shocked, though, when you're dealing with millennials in the general public. And I think it's kind of nice, I guess, that they truly believe on some level that strangers care about them. Like, <laughs> I was in Lowe's and I had all these tiny paint samples and paint brushes and I set them down. And I, the guy was like 30, whatever, and I go, hey, how are you doing, man? He goes, oh, not good, lady, not good. He said, I just saw the work schedule and I was supposed to have three days off in a row because I worked three days in a row. <laughs> and I don't, and I don't even know if I want to work here anymore. In of my head, I thought, oh, my God, he thought I meant that. <laughs> I don't really care how you are, sir. I barely care that I'm here. I, that was just a pleasantry. Those are nice things you say to keep society moving and forward progress so we don't kill each other with barbecue equipment on weekends. Like, nobody cares. And he actually said all that to me, the checkout guy, where I just asked him how he was. And then he just vomited how much he hates his life. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, you can't do that. That's not you can't do that to customers. But I listened, but um, I mean, that just really happened. Like everything about my parents is a thousand percent true. And um, so I'd say they're more mini stories, yeah, rather than like a joke joke. Yeah, I don't even no know thing. how to do I don't even know how to do that. Like so I play golf and I love like to golf with Lewis a lot. And somebody said, Can you write a bunch of golf jokes? I'm like, no, I don't know how to I don't know how to do that. Like I could tell you stories, but not yeah. like
1: Has that always been the case? I mean, like, cause you know, when you started, though your materials never like joke joke, it was like a, they're shorter, your material's shorter. Now it's really as balloon. but like was there a time where you try to s- not script things, but, like, have things be more dense?
2: Uh, I don't think so. If they were shorter back then, it was probably just because I was more nervous. Got it. Yeah, like, if you start out in one-nighters and all that, it needs to be so tight, because I don't want there to be room for someone to heckle. Mm. So if I just keep boom, 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 that's less room for you to talk, because the so- heckling never works out.
1: So you'll just have the story and then do it on stage and then from the process of keep on doing it on stage it grows or shrinks or whatever
2: yeah or i don't know you just know when something funny happened to you that day i'll just call my brother you know mm-hmm. and say abc and i guess there's this in an, just an inherent thing about knowing what was funny if you're paying attention yeah because there's probably tons of normal people where funny things happens all day and they don't even register it like it's not but they might not be thinking about it.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so you have this Taco Bell experience. You sort of know it's something's funny there. And then um, I'm trying to think, of how do you then, I guess let's go through order. So the sort of, one of the things about your material is you're really great at setting up a story or a bit and giving the right amount of context fairly quickly. Like you in the first like five seconds, you set up the um There's the idea that people don't know how to behave. And also there's a generational divide, which you just bring up by the fact that there's this, you mentioned there's a 60 year old. You mentioned there's a 20 year old. You also, you know, set up the physical scenario. How do you think about when you set up material? Like, I think how do you, when you do that, when you know, okay, there's all this information I need to get out before I get to the funny part. Is that something you think about? Like how to, how to approach that in the best way?
2: Honestly, I think the way that I always thought about it is like, my dad is funny But while he would be telling one of his stories, in my mind, I'd be like, you didn't need to say that. And you didn't need to say that. I was editing his story going, this could be so much shorter. But I think my dad likes to to tell a long story. Like he likes to, he's the guy at the wedding with the story and he's good at it. Yeah. But my mind kept going that you don't need all that. Like, I think he just wants to perform it. I would rather just get to the joke. Yeah. So it's not something i'm doing consciously it's more unconsciously like i'm gonna tell you a quick story yeah I, i'm not gonna take up too much of your time i went to taco bell there's this old guy and 20 something and that's all true but it's just needs you gotta try to at one time a long long time ago we had to type out our act for comedy central i don't remember why i think it was way back when you had comedy central mm-hmm. half hours you had to type the whole thing physically out and then it would get run through legal or standards of practice or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And as I'm typing, I'm looking at my act going, this is way too wordy. Like I don't need to say the, there, and then the, and like, and what, I don't still do that, but it was a good lesson to go, what, listen to what you're act... I do tape a lot of sets and then I'll go back and listen to them.
1: Oh, cool. What do you yeah, listen to I when you just... go back and listen?
2: Uh, well, sometimes at night, if I go back to the hotel and there's nothing to do, or on the way home on the plane. Yeah. And or what if it's look- rainy. um I just listen to go, how can I shorten this? Mm. Is there a way to shorten it? Is there a way to lose words and get more words that just aren't necessary? I don't mean the good words, but, you know, I, I can get a little loosey-goosey if I'm not paying attention.
1: Well, I think, yeah, because I think when I was thinking about this joke, as much as it's I noticed the things that you do make jokes about. There are things that you decided not to delve into, to f- sort of make it as dense as it is. Like, I think, as as we mentioned, the first thing is you don't mention in this joke that it was COVID, right? Like, there's a right, version... Right, I do not. And right. wh- why, why was that? Because, like, I do think anyone listening to that joke in the last, in current, Monday you'd be like, this seems kind of COVID-y. But, like, you don't say that. What, yeah, is that a deliberate what?
2: It Well, because it kept happening after COVID, like even when we all went back out on the road, people were behaving like my brother said. Yeah, Kathleen, well, let's say you had 10 German Shepherds and locked them in an apartment for a year and a half and then you open the apartment door. They're going to be a little nuts. I go, all right, fair enough, Pat. So that lasted for like six months and it wasn't just me. Other comedians are like, it's like a full moon every night. Like, I don't know if people have drank too much or they're overstimulated or they're just over excited to be out. Um, but like that kind of behavior. And I think even since COVID, we haven't hired enough employees back anywhere. So people are still yelling at the ones that are there. That's what blows my mind. Like we're just be nice to the people that showed up. There could be no one here. I mean, so I guess I thought, too, I had a few COVID jokes, but I knew that this was going to tape and then it was going to take a long time. And then do you really I didn't want to have like a chunk of COVID material. A few jokes I thought was fine. Yeah.
1: The, The other thing is I can imagine a comedian who you bring up Taco Bell and then does one minute about Taco Bell before you even get to the story. Just because Taco Bell is a, pr- I mean, it's a thing. I mean, I'm not saying you should have. I'm just saying, like,
2: yeah, I think like a long, long time ago, I had a joke about it. I think I've heard so many, yeah, that I'm like, ah, eh, just skip that part. Everybody knows what it is.
1: Yeah. Um. So then you get to the sort of part where you talk about quitting, and you talked about how you've you've noticed this. I was also thinking about, you know, especially around COVID, it seemed like you 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 found more opportunity to spend time with your your siblings' kids. And I was wondering if there's something about the experience of being around kids but not being their parent, where again, like that sort of thing we're talking about being Midwestern, where it's like you have an investment, but also sort of detachment to sort of observe how they Yeah, Yeah,
2: I'm just the fun aunt that swoops in and I hang out and I literally, when I'm off, off like that during COVID, I don't have any hard thoughts either. We're like on the same wavelength, like literally nothing to do today. That's hard to say as an adult. You know, yeah, I got nothing to do, Jack. He's 12. What do you want to do? Let's go fishing. All right, let's go fishing. Like, it's such a simple, like, I called my nieces the other day and my sister wasn't home. I go, what are you guys doing for the next few hours? Because she was going to be gone. They're like, I don't know. We'll probably play with the dog. Maybe make a TikTok. I'm like, oh, my God, their life is so simple. It's, Mm -hmm. It's just uh it's very nice i did have a nice time during COVID. i feel guilty saying that but like i i went golfing every day i went fishing i we all tried to stay away from my parents because they're old but yeah the rest of us were like i don't know they had already had it like all that kind of stuff the first two months we were pretty careful but then it got loosey-goosey
1: that is very different for many comedians. I mean, there's some comedians that in the first few months were like, oh, maybe I don't need to do this. But then five months in, we're like, I, I need it. It's like a sort of a certain addiction. And it did seem like you were pretty chill about it the entire time. Yeah, I
2: didn't uh Like, Ron White came up here for like a couple weeks, I guess. And we were sitting out on the deck. He was smoking a cigar. He goes, isn't it amazing how seamlessly we've slipped into retirement? And he goes, turns out the only thing that was getting in the way of my fun is that show at night. <laughs> And I said, yeah, dude, I'm with you. But then you take Lewis Black, and he came here for a month to Nashville because you could be outside and golf and all that. It was just more breathing room. And, I mean, he had been alone in an apartment for New York for, like, three months. And it was like getting a, a mental patient. I was like, dude, what is wrong with you? It took him a long time to calm down. And then he's like, I can't stand not working. Yeah. I was like, really? Couldn't feel more opposite. nah. <laughs> No, I'm good. Uh, life is short.
1: Yeah. Like
2: Ron kept saying, Ron got really bothered by like Norm McDonald dying and, and Bob Say it dying. And he was like, I don't want to be found dead in a hotel room. I go, well, I don't want to be found dead. Let's yeah. just stop with that sentence right there. But I said, well, let me ask you this, Ron. Would you, what, do you want to spend a night filling any town in Toledo, Cincinnati, Des Moines? He's like, no. I go, then get off the road. If you can go to Austin and live there and do shows at Joe Rogan's ranch or whatever, the Velveeta Room, or yeah, there's places in Austin to go to. stay. If, you, if you're if you so dying to tell jokes, or is it the road you miss? Mm-hmm. Or, like Lewis, I think it's all of the above. Yeah, I would miss the road, but I would just still go and not have a show.
1: As a person who's on the road as much as you were, I assume you're sort of always in a state of like, doing comedy, and also generating comedy. You're observing the world. Did you miss the, I have an experience of this Taco Bell thing? Oh, tomorrow I'll bring it up on stage. In a week I'll be ready for, you know, like, that sort of...
2: Well, the first, like, three months, it was really nothing to experience. So I was like, this is just a write-off. We're all on pause. It's like Christmas Day. Like, there's nothing nothing's open nothing's functioning it was such a weird thing like i don't know that we'd ever be able to explain it right to like your kids or whatever like that it's hard to believe that everyone was doing nothing i mean except for nurses and teachers i yeah, know yeah. there's people that but the rest of us that were not involved in all that there wasn't a, that's why i started the podcast because i was like well you know what there's nothing really to joke about because there's nothing. I don't write jokes about imaginary things. They need to happen. And there's nothing happening. And then every night I just had the news on and he would start screaming at the television. You can't say that. You can't say that. And I'm like, okay, we're not watching the news anymore. If you're going to behave like a lunatic for a whole hour and a half because it was local news, national, or CNN, whatever. Yeah. Um, there's, there was nothing but COVID on the news.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
2: like, I kind of declared it a dead zone.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: like, there's nothing, like, the comedians that were trying to force it, I'm like, the parking lot shows? Like, I have worked 35 years to not have someone honk at me in a parking lot. Like, no, 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 no. I mean, if you need rent or to pay your mortgage, I totally get it. I'm not judging it. I'm just saying the lengths they went to, and some of those guys for sure I know did not need that money. Yeah, they just wonder. I go, how mm-hmm. much do you hate your family that you like to go on the road and get honked at a parking lot? But I think some people just have a drive to work that I do not have. Yeah. And I maybe I wish I had it. I don't know. I'm pretty happy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the most interesting things about you is that you're an extremely hard worker who's not a workaholic. I think it's actually like quite admirable. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like. Because one time, uh, I think Mark Maron called you like the hardest working comedian in show business, but also like you were like, "Well, I'm not like Jay Leno, a person who just sort of like has to have new bits. How do you find that balance, or where is that how do you where do you think that comes from?
2: Well, I would say it's like, I don't know, my parents with the work ethic, you better." go work and they never gave us anything there's seven kids in my family five are older than they had a mistake and a mistake to play with that mistake so there's two that are much younger those two got a lot of stuff and my parents Mm -hmm. would always go well you had our time they have our money i'm like yeah i didn't get to vote on that (laughs) um but so i've i've had a job since i was 13 um like i've always worked but when i'm done working i'm totally fine with being off yeah like and i'm that one of the reasons I quit a real job after college was the two week vacation thing. I'm like, oh, unacceptable. Why does America accept this? That's what I'm hoping the twenty somethings do or the thirty somethings. You go in there and tell those people that's insane. Europe takes all of August off. So can we. We don't have to do this. Yeah. Life is short. I mean, I do not understand it, yeah, i I don't get it.
1: so when, did you ever have a moment with the sort of like millennial quitting idea where you had the a sort of knee jerk opposite reaction where you're just like, oh, these kids are just lazy? Like, did you have that? Did you have to process it or did it right away? Did it make sense to you?
2: Right away, it made sense. I think because of all my nieces and nephews that I see what they do and how they do it. And uh, I mean, not that my family is the, the example, but it's one example. And the stories I hear from people that like at the agency and the, what the young people want, I, yeah, I was like, I don't nec- They're not necessarily lazy. They're just yeah. demanding. Yeah. They have balls, the size of, you know, Ohio where I, I would be terrified to ask for something like that. Cause I think I'd get fired or to demand the things. But I also think we should have done a little bit more of that. Like we yeah. should have good for them. You know, maybe they can get the three day work week.
1: Well, it's, like, entitlement, but you're, like, what they're saying they're entitled to is, like, human dignity at the workplace. Right. You know, there's so, 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 so many comedians that have decided to take the opposite position. It it is is quite—there's a cottage, in, cottage industry, and there always has been, of comedians of a certain age being, like, kids these days are bad. Like, it's been going on right. since you were a kid, since your parents were kids. Like, yeah. always, that is the— standard and there's something really exciting about this joke because at some point you don't know where it's going to go and then you so zag where everyone else would zig are you cognizant of that were you thinking about that a little bit when you wrote it i'm
2: cognizant of it because i actually believe that like there are so there's so many young people for for example um everybody that bitches about young people, I'm like, well, have you listened to Mandy Matney's podcast? She's the one covering the murder murders in South Carolina. I've been listening for like three years. I was a journalism major. I quit because I wouldn't do the work that Mandy Matney's doing. And I don't know how old she is, 30 something, young though, young. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, there are young people out there doing that, but it's very specific. They have to want to, it has to be under their terms. Um, Maybe not the pay. They can't seem to demand that, but Good for them. Like somebody should have asked all of us when we were little, hey, Kathleen, do you like science and math? No, I hate it. And I'm bad at it. And I'll keep coming up every year and flunking and we'll do it every year till I'm 23 years old. Why was that fine? Like somebody should have said, hey, that kid. No, 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 no. History and English, put her over there and whatever. Like nobody, these kids are demanding that. They're just like, I don't like it. I won't do it. I'm like, Good. You should say that there are ways we get better. Like sometimes yeah. where my mom will go, well, I never left the state of Missouri until I was 24. I'm like, well, that's your fault. There's a bridge right there. You could have walked and been in Illinois in eight minutes and you just sat here until you were 24. Like that's nothing to be proud of. That's yeah. nothing to brag about, mom. There were ways to get there. If you were that curious about Illinois, it is right there. Or you could have gone south to Arkansas. Just walk your ass off. There's sometimes I think the old people that the stuff they say they're proud of, I'm like, nah. No. No, you should have said
1: something.
2: Yeah. (laughs) You should have said something to somebody.
1: We'll be right back for more Kathleen Madigan.
0: Most weight loss programs focus on restriction and inflexible routine, which is why most diets fail. Noom can help you build healthy habits while still enjoying your favorite foods. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
1: And we're back with Kathleen Madigan. You know, that idea of they formed a union without ever having meeting. Can you talk about that observation and sort of your own? I know I think you talk about your family as a union family. There's a a history of union. So can you talk about what that means to you and what you're trying to communicate there?
2: Well, I was hoping people would get it. And they did. I just didn't know how many people would get the union part. But like my dad, he became a lawyer and a judge, but he was a pipe fitter initially. All my uncles are pipe fitters, local 562, St. Louis, Missouri. And if it wasn't for pipe fitting, I mean, none of us would have gone to college. None of us would have. The good union job where you got to be, you got your regular house in the Midwest, you had a boat, you could go on vacations. Like It paid and the benefits were great. So There's a lot of positive things I could say about my experience with unions, but I remember my dad, when he used to go down to the union hall and they'd have a big vote on something, he'd always come home and go, there were two assholes, two assholes, and he would go crazy because they all had to agree or whatever the situation was. It didn't work out because there wasn't agreement, but these kids, to me, they all agree. Yeah. If they don't treat you right, just leave in the middle of a shift. Like, oh, my God. But I really feel like they're all on the same page with how they approach it. So that's why I was like, wow, it was like they had a union yeah. down at the Union Hall and they voted. If people are mean to you, quit.
1: I mean, it is there is like a really poignant political point about the nature of like workers today where unions have been a lot of unions have been disintegrated or whatever. And you're tying yeah. the sort of those traditions together in a way, I think, though, it's sort of a. You don't have to know that much about units to get that joke. I do think like that is part of this joke that I think is really interesting.
2: Oh well, thank you. I was worried that like a lot of people don't know the ins and outs of all that, and I just happen to grow up with it. But uh, yeah, everybody got it.
1: Do you remember the first time you came across someone who did the yeah no?
2: Oh my god! Well, I sent it to Amazon, and there's a lot of young people that are involved with the the once the special is yes, t- the, well the whole process yeah and every like for the trailers for the thing they all chose that joke all of them they were like we like the yeah no one and i'm like is it because it's about you guys and they're like well yeah kind of yeah like they they are proud that they are those people yeah so yeah. And then even old guys like up at the golf course, I've had a couple of them go. Yeah, no. But it's so funny to hear them talk like that because they're like 75 years old. They're doing that voice. Um, yeah, it's already become like a little thing. Yeah, yeah. no.
1: <laughs> you have that voice. This joke has three voices in it. Three beyond your normal speaking voice. There's that voice the sort of like your generation, sort of almost Gen X. I'm just gonna do this job, and I don't know why I hate this job. Voice, and then you also sort of do your sister a little bit, little snippets. How do you approach voices in your act? You you'll do voices, and in in a way that's almost understated. A lot of comedians, if they're doing a voice, it's like, I'm doing a voice this time, and you're sort of right. will just Take
2: like, <laughs> yeah. I think because I'm really doing the real ones that I heard. Yeah, with maybe I'm not consciously exaggerating them. It's like that's how they talked Uh, and however i repeat it uh, when i do my dad that's what my dad sounds like to me all the time um because people are like you but then when they meet my dad they're like wow you that yeah you nailed it that's what he sounds like it's sort of a i don't know sort of a mix between a pipe fitter and an attorney (laughs) it's kind of very Midwest, though.
1: But it's not like some you'll practice. You just sort of, it is... No, no,
2: no, 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 But I was good at, like, my dad said, that's all you ever did was a kid was, like, mimic, not famous people, like, the neighbor. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Cunningham. I mean, <laughs> like, Mr. Cunningham's always like, I don't think any of you kids should be. And then I would just do him, but I guess I was good enough that uh, my dad would make me do it at parties.
1: Yeah. Did you ever consider, with this joke, acting out? Or doing anything with the guy yelling, right? There is, he's there, and there's sort of a specter of this man yelling. And but you, you there, and like not saying you should again. There's all just saying there's a road you could have gone down where you're like, and but this guy's over here, and then you sort of do that. Did you ever consider that? Well, I
2: didn't go down that road because I couldn't really hear him word for word because I had stayed back because there were you know the COVID spots on the floor. Stand here, stand here, but I could tell he was very angry and the kid i could hear better because she was speaking loudly even with the microphone on Mm. um so i never thought about saying what he said i knew it was about mild sauce it was like overhearing something it's about mild sauce he's very angry he's not coming here anymore just your regular bitching. i I did say to my sister when i got in the car she's like what was going on in there because she could see him like you know and i said you don't even i'm it's not worth repeating, but I can tell you as a nation, we are not prepared for war. So you said that. <laughs> oh, did I say it? I didn't know if I you know, said it. No, you say it in, it in the a... joke. But... Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I really said that to my sister and she's like, what are you talking about? I said, I mean, people in World War II were hiding in bunk. Like, I- go watch the- All Quiet on the Western Front. I mean, I can't. We have become so soft. Like, this guy's going to have a stroke. And an aneurysm over mild sauce. Like, what is hap happen- I don't know. I think we've gotten too far away from probably having to actually do anything hard. And people are too easily freaked out. It is
1: a... That is such a perfect ending of a story of a joke. I could not... Like, I would never... I I was like, well, she she probably said something, but I don't know if it was like would be so exactly worded like that. But the fact that you don't even remember that's in the joke because that's just (laughs) that it's It's just what happened. So do you feel like even when you're off, do you feel like Kathleen Madigan, the comedian in your everyday life? Like, do you the fact that you had essentially a perfect punchline just to your sister that you're ready to then take on stage? Do you is it is the sort of person on stage a full integration of that person?
2: Yeah, I'm the same person. So I don't ever think like honest to god, I think cuz there's uh, I'm one of seven. When someone says my name in public like at an air, like just randomly like Kathleen or even my full name, my immediate reaction is defensive.
1: Mhm. Yeah. The this joke, there's sort of there's a few types of jokes you have, but what I what I really like about your act is how seamlessly you will shift between being the only smart person in a situation where everyone's being dumb or strange 2 I'm so dumb and everyone else in the world yes. is so smart.
2: <laughs> well, I think in a normal day, I feel that way probably 50-50. There's some moments where I'm like, am I really the only one that can point this out? And then there's other moments where I'm like, I cannot believe I just did that. I just did that. I did that. And it's so stupid that like you can't, when does that stop? Like, me and Rod were saying that. I'm like, are we still gonna be like this like when we're 75? Like, uh, maybe, I guess, I don't know. But I, I don't ever like to see an act where somebody's always the smartest person, and I don't like to see an act where somebody's always the dumbest person. Mm. So I, I do try to, it's not conscious, but unconsciously, I, I'd say I try to balance it up.
1: Yeah. As we talked about a lot of the things we sort of didn't get into, this joke is exactly how I imagine it would go, in, in so much as like there is this the, the sort of the Kathleen Manigan rhythm or pace that which you perform in. Like there's there's certain comedians, like I think of like the comedian Earthquake is the other example, where it's just sort of this sort of like it's not monotonous, but there is a sort of insistence. There's a um drive forward, but it's not like huge energy and it's not sort of subdued. There's just sort of like Punchlines, punchlines, punchlines. Can you do you know what I'm talking about? Like, do you feel like there is a specific rhythm yeah. you're able to lock into? Well,
2: it's funny you should say earthquake, because I do think he's one of the funniest people. Um he's old school, like I acknowledge all that. But uh he and I did the view together once because the <laughs> the comedians on uh, the view got to pick their favorite comedians. So Joy picked me and Whoopi picked him. And Elizabeth Hasselback picked a child. I'm like, no. No, 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 no. You can have a children's show tomorrow with funny jokes. Sure, 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 it, earthquakes like that kid no stand up. I go, I know the kid's going to do magic or some Christian thing because Elizabeth sure, sure. doesn't want it to be. But it was like eight o'clock in the morning and he didn't even understand we were doing jokes. I'm like, no, we have to go out there and do a set. That's why we're here. He's like, oh, man, it's too early. But it was the best crowd I'd ever been in front. Of. Not Letterman, not the late shows, nothing. They were these women were so excited to be at the View. I mean, and our standup. But I've watched Earthquake all these years. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm like him. But he does the same thing where I'm never leaving that room until Earthquake says we're done. Yeah. And I'm not really sure why. Like it's almost like a trick. He's he, he's mesmerizing me, and I'm always entertained. I'm never bored. So I don't really think of it how I'm doing it consciously, but sometimes I think like an hour 10 is too long, but people paid the money and nobody complains. Yeah. So nobody's left. Like I think an hour is perfect, but then I think if I paid whatever, 40, 50, 60, 70 bucks to see somebody, I would expect more than an hour. Yeah. It's just harder with jokes than music. yeah Yeah. they can do two hours and you're like oh okay they sang all the songs and then we all leave but you don't want to hear all my jokes that would be like nine hours
1: no you want you (laughs) have you figured out exactly the amount of the experience you're giving them it's it's not like more is not better ultimately right 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 it's built for an hour of the the energy or whatever it is it's sort of hard to describe but like i know what you're talking about where it's ultimately like by doing it so much you know what an hour feels like and you pace yourself for that so i think i imagine if you're doing it for more all you're doing is just doing adding another 15 minutes to it and right way. and
2: i yeah and i've seen the comics that go into clubs that won't ever shut up and we all know who they are i mean it's after like an hour 20 what are you doing the staff hates you the customers want to leave but they feel guilty it just went on too long it's like stand up is a thing but still it's just one person talking. There's yeah. no dancers. There's no drum solo. There's nothing to change the rhythm of what is going on.
1: And I think that is particularly clear because you your stage, you, you have a mic on a stand and you talk on that stand. You don't necessarily move. I have Ever. I don't believe you take the mic off the stand, Never. which is it's such a distinct I don't know any other comedian of your level who does that. Like, who she will just talk, mic stand? Has Ron White. Doing... Oh, really?
2: He never yeah. moves. That's he never takes the mic out. He never moves.
1: Yeah, because um, he always has a... Is it partly because he always is drinking a cigar? He's <laughs> drinking
2: a cigar and he can't move.
1: And he's, not a, <laughs> he's, imagine he's him with one of the headset microphones would be one of the funniest. He,
2: yeah, he's boxed himself. Usually Lewis doesn't. Occasionally he'll take the mic up, but not because oh, he does
1: the hands, the Lewis hands. Yeah, he's
2: usually up there doing all that. So
1: So that is funny that your yeah. two best friend comedians are also this. Well, very...
2: I I like it, the standstill thing. Because sometimes I feel like the movement is a trick. I feel like I'm being tricked. Yeah. Like, you're moving, but if this was super-duper funny, you could just stand there. But And that's not even true. That's just what I feel, but I don't even think it's true. I I mean, obviously, Chris Rock's funny. All the people that run around are funny. I just, I don't know. I don't feel like you don't have to do all that work. You know, they're paying me to stand here. Well, it's also like,
1: if... I think especially younger comedians are told not to keep the mic just on the stand because it doesn't seem confident, right? Like, I think if you take the mic off the stand, then the audience will be like, oh, well, it's a show. But I think there is this sort of supreme confidence of a person who's been doing it as long as you have to be like, I don't need to do any of this other stuff.
2: Right. I'm getting paid to stand here. That's why when, uh, I don't know, like 15 years ago, Bill Cosby came out and did it in a chair. I'm like, no, it's called stand up comedy. There's two requirements. You have to stand up. Even Don Rickles, they took about Montreal in a wheelchair when it was dark, and they yeah. stood him up and put him next to the piano, and he leaned, but he's still standing. I'm like, that's still standing. I mean, obviously, if you have some ailment, but um, sure, yes. <laughs> I don't know. I think the moving around. I know it's not a trick, but I feel like it's a trick.
1: Yeah. Do you? Did you have to? that said did you have to adapt when you start playing theaters or do you feel like you adapt when you start playing theaters where the stages are now even bigger and you're just standing in the middle nope
2: nope <laughs> i'm still not moving i'm not i i wish i had that ability i guess i don't know like i want i was on tiktok and a joan rivers thing came up and it was so funny because she was talking about Princess Diana and how much she hated her. She goes, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. That's all I hear from this woman. Oh, she goes, shut up. You're beautiful. You're tall. You're thin. And your husband doesn't want to sleep with you. You're the luckiest woman on earth. Like It's an old joke and all that. Yeah, sure. But, she, but she's she's like, you know, very, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. like all that. Um, that I, I wish sometimes I could be more like that. But you also know what you are and what you're not. And I am not. That yeah, One Maria thing- Bamford stands kind of still.
1: Yeah, Maria Bamford. So Bamford's she'll have that, pretty- she'll have it, and then we'll have a uh, an aside where she'll like do some sort of physicality. I, I'd say, but yeah, for the most part, my yeah, idol, I'd-
2: Steve, my idol Stevie Nicks doesn't take the mic out ever. All right,
1: I mean, I'm, I'm you, I look,
2: it works. works. I think. No, I'm anything- trying to think of like who does and who doesn't. There's more that I like that don't.
1: Yeah. Compared it definitely, to the ones it, that do. It definitely is a thing that signifies what I'm saying is the show. In a way right. that where where that doesn't have to be every comedian, but like it definitely is for the comedian to do. It'd be like, you're here to see the things that I'm saying. You don't need you're not seeing a person run around. You don't need it. And that's I okay.
2: You don't need it. I also think like in all those one nighters I did starting out, if I stand still and look at you. I'm controlling this. If I take this mic out and walk over here to this side of the bar, and I've got yeehaw drunkies, the clowns over here. Yeah, they. It's like a school teacher. Now they think I'm not looking. Yeah, it's more. It's also kind of a controlling. I can see all of you now. If yeah. I move, I don't think of it consciously, but well, I might have been the one nighters. Yeah, I'm like, I need to keep an eye on these drunks because. Anything could happen here in Garden City, Kansas, or wherever the hell, Clarksville, Tennessee. I mean, some of those places were just bars, 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 and yeah, you don't, so.
1: Yeah, it it definitely is an eyes up front energy, which is like, here's the show, eyes up here, don't, there's nothing. It almost eliminates the rest of the stage, where you're just like, there's no other thing to look at. Where you start moving, it then allows the audience to not look to where you walk. Yeah,
2: it is. It's very strange, even to me at this point, to like, say the Chicago theater. Like a lot of theaters, it's 1,500 seats, 1, seventeen. but when you talk about the Chicago theater, we're getting into 3,000 and plus. To be the only person, the only five foot tall, and there's a weird, sometimes I like it if they get a little carpet. Because then mm-hmm. it looks like I have a box, like a cat, like I'm supposed to be in this space and don't leave this space. But it's a focal point too. Yeah. when they get that big. That's kind of like, I don't know how these guys like Bert Kreischer, who I adore and all these guys are out doing arenas like I've never. No, I don't think I've ever done that, and I'm not sure I would want to.
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely you have to yeah. herd cats in a way that's very different.
2: Yeah, it's a very, very large, large feral group to herd. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't. They seem to like it, though. Yeah.
1: One of the things about you, arguably, you are one of the or the most successful road comedian ever. In terms of a comedian who has toured as well as you have and played the venues you have without any like real like attempt for a tv or movie project that has helped build the audience in a large way like you built it on the road with with exclusively like and 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 proudly and um what do you think about that are you proud of that fact
2: i am proud of that but it's also because it was sort of just luck um because i don't want to I went one time, Lewis was on The Big Bang Theory. He played some nutty professor. Sure. And he was like, will you go with me? I said, Lou, I've been to One Six It's so boring. I don't want to go watch it. I love you, but I don't want to go. And he's like, please. And I was like, fine. We left my house at 4 o'clock and we got home at 11. I said, was that worth it to you? Like me and his his old assistant... Uh, we drank a bottle of Chardonnay throughout the day. We plowed through a bottle. I had memorized the whole script, his parts, my fake parts. Um, it's so slow and tedious. Like, I never want it. I just want to tell jokes. I think there's not many of us that that's all we want to do. Mm-hmm. When I started comedy, as far as I knew, that's what we all wanted to do. And then it started getting where, oh, you, you know, look, Ray Romano's got a sitcom and Kevin James has a sitcom. And then. I'm like, yeah, but do you know what goes on over there? Do you really want to be that bored for hours upon hours? For what? You're not even an actor. Yeah. And I think it's insulting. Like, they offered me some part in some NBC not that long ago. Within the last five years, I'm like, I'm not even an actor. I don't want to, because I kept saying no, and they kept offering more money. I'm like, no, no, I'm not saying that as a bargaining chip. I truly want nothing to do with this. I don't think the agency was saying it like that. I'm like, you need to tell them I have no interest in television or movies unless it's a friend and I get to play like myself as a bartender in a movie. Then I did it for a couple people twice, and it was awful, just like I thought. But I did it as a friend. Um, There are people that are qualified to act. I think it's insulting to call a comedian, stand-up comedian who's had no experience, and is free to tell you that. Yeah. I'm like no no this is not my so by just by that I don't want any of that. All I want to do is tell jokes in front of people for an hour and the show's 2 hours and I'm done. Yeah. That's my workday. I mean I do other stuff but it that I'm in charge of it all. I'm my own boss. I think Brian Regan has accomplished a lot of the same yeah. thing. He and I have always kind of been I don't think he ever had like a sitcom or... He
1: had... he Well, yeah, I he's always... Did you he? two are always examples, but he was on the show Louder Milk, I think, and then he had that Netflix sketch show. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is... Well, sketch fu- is... Fu- yeah. I mean, all power I mean, to him. It's just a matter of yeah, like... Yeah, I
2: know. No, and I mean, there are people that do it really, really well. They can do all of those things really well, and I just would not be one of those people. I wouldn't be capable of it.
1: And it's... And you just had no... Because you lived in L.A. And I think anytime I'm in L.A., I'm like, should I be auditioning to be on, even if I'm just visiting? (laughs) Like, I think a lot of people have a really hard time, especially when they're in L.A., resisting the value system of the city. And you just, and you were, all these decades, you were able to sort of like, I'm a stand-up comedian.
2: I don't want to. I did. I mean, I went initially when they told me to go audition for stuff. And just the process and mainly i go we get pissed off at the gate i could never get on the lot like that yep. never went well like i'd be out there for 20 minutes going god damn it my name's on a list it's catholic you know and i'm trying to not to get mad at the person but you have to want what's at the other end of that gate yeah and i think a lot of comics like i auditioned for some commercials i did it like three times and i went the money would be great for a commercial And why not? It'll take two days out of your life. I get that. I totally get that. But the odds of you getting that commercial, is it worth a day of your life? I lived in Hermosa Beach. I could be rollerblading right now. I don't. I think you gotta want to do it. Like if you told me, do you want to go fishing? Yes. Yeah. Do you want to go play golf? Yes. But do I want to go be on a sitcom all this week? I think it's so boring. I didn't understand how boring it was till I attended them. Yeah. And then those four audiences, everybody should know, don't ever sign up for one of those if you're impatient cuz you're stuck. They do not yeah. let you go. Yeah, you're a, you're a trap rat for a ver- like 8 hours. I said to Lou you're going to be on TV for 3 minutes in this Big Bang thing. Was it worth it? But he likes to be an yeah. actor. Louis has done a very good job of stand-up comedy, which is he loves the most. Uh he's been in a ton of movies um some sitcoms um he can do all of that and kind of weave through it all and he enjoys and, it
1: yeah it's not yet yeah. no. I, you once described i can't remember what it was we were on a podcast and someone's talked about your new tour and you kind of was like it's not really a new tour it's sort of the n- new dates on the same tour
2: <laughs> it's the never-ending tour <laughs> it's, it's never ending when people are like oh so how long this tour has been people that don't know like radio people i'm like 35 years so far. Let, I'm not Black Sabbath. I don't get to take two years off and, and think of an album. Charde took 14 years off. Who does that? I mean, good for you. She's like my idol. I'm like, how do you get away? But she has a lot more talent than me. But I'm like, wow. Um, yeah, it, it it starts when you're in theaters because yeah. they want. So let's say I do the Chicago Theater once every 18 months. They don't want to put the same poster up. They don't want the same yeah. ad that's what's driving all that. So, and that makes sense. Like they don't want to put the, and it usually because, is new joke. It's new yeah. jokes by the time I get back there. So, but like, I don't know, tour names, like for comics, like I'm just grasping at anything. Call it box wine, a tiny batch. Like I don't want it to be a title where the press could be mean. Mm. That's why I didn't call the special, yeah, no. Because I thought, uh oh, if somebody doesn't like it, because I've been a journalist, I know what they're gonna do. And I'm not yes. gonna give them that opportunity. No, 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 no. Um, I'm smarter than that, that dog's yeah, in there. Fair. So
1: you're you you do not want to uh, give them the negative you don't want to give them the headline for a negative
2: Right. I'm not giving you that for free. Your lead your headline and your lead sentence. Yeah. No. Um but yeah, I'm proud of it. But I also think it's cause it's all I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, what Ron do you White love- Ron White made yeah. hit him. And Fox, well, Fox really did get a sitcom, but he was already rich. and Yeah. Yeah. Those older guys.
1: Yeah, it definitely was more common. Back then. Back then. But I think, what do you like about this? What do you like about never the sort of idea of a never-ending tour? Both, like, personally and creatively.
2: Well, I just like going around. I mean, the first few times you go around, I went and did all the touristy things. like Because I was like, yeah, you get to go see America and Canada and everything. And then you start making friends in those towns. And if I don't go there, well, a lot do come to Nashville. But it's a chance to see my friends again. So if I'm going to go to Columbus, Ohio, or I'm not going to the zoo, I've been there a bunch. I'm going to go see my friends. So it's a chance to see my friends. And work-wise, me and Ron have the same theory. You're either... Working or you're not. Mm. I can't. It's like going to the gym. Yeah. Oh, really? You haven't been in three? How? I do not know how these stand-up comedians that I haven't heard their name in two years, but they all of a sudden they have a special. Really? Where did you do that? That is incomprehensible to me. I'm not saying it's wrong. I don't. Not saying they're not necessarily funny. I just don't understand. Like I have to be in a rhythm, even if I take a week off. That first show, I'm gonna forget a couple of things. It's just rusty. It's like hitting golf balls. Like you have to go do that and do it for me and do yeah. it frequently. And Ron felt the same way. And then Ron's—he's such a pot monster that he his memory is shot. Like, and he's like, I can't remember anything but ten minutes in my whole life. That's all he could work up during COVID. I'm like, well, that's enough. You can be my opener. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he retires, uh, but then
1: just opens for you.
2: Yeah, yeah, why not? Just get out there and do 10 minutes. It doesn't even matter how good it is. Um, I don't know. I feel like you're... So when I quit, I quit.
1: Yeah. Are like there... I
2: might do charity stuff or something, but yeah. when I'm done, I'm done.
1: Are there drawbacks that you can think of personally or creatively about this sort of life on the road like this?
2: Well, I think it's very difficult to have a normal life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. people. Most people will hate you. Because you're gone all the time. And they think it's funny in the beginning. Oh, it's fine. And then you miss another baptism and another birthday and another. Yeah. But it's not, that's never the life I wanted. Yeah. I mean, I had three cat- kittens that showed up unannounced under my house during COVID. And I have a tough time like managing these guys, like, because I'm never here. So I have to, I found some app where the 20 somethings are like, yeah, they're on, it's on Rover. Rover.com and I have my kid and mm-hmm. she's super nice. And she comes over and pays it. But you, you can't, you can't yeah. have stability. You yeah. have to be comfortable with organized chaos. I do really well in organized chaos because it keeps my attention. It's activity based versus like my one sister safety would be her number one. She wants to feel organized, safe, nothing unpredictable. That's her idea of happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Mine would be, I would like it to be very unpredictable. I would like it to be chaotic, but I want to know I have control over it. Is that
1: come from anything? Or is it ultimately just like the nature of how, what keeps your attention is this sort of life? Like, do you feel like, did you feel like your life was, you didn't have control of your life before you did this? I'm trying to think. Oh, no, I
2: just feel like I've always been like this, even as a kid. I think kids show up, this is how much I think kids show up as who they are. Quick, tiny story. So my sister sure. has three kids, twins that are girls, and a boy who's younger, two years younger than them. So at the time, they were like 10 and eight. And they go to uh they go to mass on Sunday, and this priest was Nigerian, and he said, I'd like to show a movie about my town in Nigeria that needs a well for clean water, and I'm trying to raise some money for a well. You don't have to stay, but if you'd like to, I'm going to show the movie in five, 10 minutes. That gives people time to leave if they don't want to hang out. He was very cool about it. So my sister makes the kids stay and she gets in the car and she goes, okay, how much of your money do you want to give to the kids that need water and uh, uh, Claire, uh, Claire, the most even Stephen one, she goes, I will give them like half of my allowance, like half. And Emily goes, I'm giving them all of my money. Did you not see that movie, Claire? That was horrible. They don't even have water. And then Jack, the boy, goes, "Uh, I'm not giving them any of my money. I mean, my money is my money. I mean, I'm sorry, but they should ask their government where they could get water. But I'm like, and my sister's like, Jack, we are not not living like that. You should be nice to people. But that's just their normal. That's their answer. They showed up as who they are, and you can mold it, but their nature, Emily will do any nicest person in the world. Claire, <laughs> nah, probably not. And then the other one, I think parents would say that too, though. You just, like my one has always been. Every night before school, she had her uniform set out. Her things were set out. Everything was perfectly organized. Neat. Hmm. My, my side of the room looked like it had been looted. Like, if I wasn't in trouble for it, it looked like a looted nightclub. Yeah. Yeah, like, show up who you are. So I just think I am meant for the road.
1: Do you have a sense of who your audience is? Like, what is your relationship to them? You've had this relationship for so long at this point.
2: I always joke that they're um, educated, super fun, borderline alcoholics. I think all of them might go, yeah, I probably drink too much. If they were honest, but not like drunks at a show, Yeah. just their life. Yeah. Um. A lot of Irish Catholics, a lot of Midwest, a lot of. Um, It's funny because we had this discussion about some. It was a discussion about building new markets. I'm like, no, no, not at this age. No, no. We're going to keep trying to add to the, the one we have, but I, I'm not starting over. A- anywhere I, yeah. I was on bet it didn't seem to work that good i tried kid these are the people that you know for whatever reason that's who's showing up but there yeah. are because of the podcast interestingly enough now there's tons of young people mm. they don't even know i'm a comedian they've written to me and said that that they're coming to the show i didn't know you were a comedian and all that i think i do that my act but it's true that They don't even care that I'm a comedian. And it is weird that I'm like, I've worked 35 years of my life to perfect one thing. And the other thing, I went up in COVID in my pajamas and just started reading silly stories and making fun. I didn't even, I mean, I prepared, but for like an hour, not for like 35 years. They don't care about this. They just like the podcast. So there's a lot of younger people coming now that didn't really used to be there.
1: How do you feel about it? because that is a different I' I've, I've noticed that with a lot of comedians who start doing podcasts fairly early where the relationship is more like we like you and we'll come see you at work because we like you but like right, right. and but you are uh, a worker. How does it feel to people just like we're just here to hang out with you. you actually don't even have to try
2: right. well, that's my uh, that's my last year on the road retirement thing. I'm gonna do like these YouTube kids do, and I'm gonna go um to a theater and we're just gonna do a giant meet and greet. And then I won't do my act, and then everybody can have a drink, and then I'll talk to everybody, and then we'll do it like USO deals where we all get a picture. So that's the retirement plan. I just go around and meet everybody who lives. <laughs> they'll be younger people, so be fine.
1: You you, uh, you know, you'll talk about retirement, uh, which is hard for a lot of comedians I've spoken to. I think the the conceiving retirement is hard for a lot of comedians um and 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 often they'll be like well once i do this maybe i can stop and they're sort of whatever this is becomes an ever-increasing idea the
2: carrot yeah yeah
1: and you don't i don't have a sense that you are like that at all but do you have a sense of what it would feel like to be ready to retire
2: yeah i mean during covid i was like if the world was open this is wonderful you get. I was basically turned into my mom and dad, but you know, in my fifties, not in my eighties. But, um, yeah, I could quit. But
1: what? When, not... when? What do you need to quit? Like, what do you think will have to? Be well, to be I like... need
2: my brother, my financial advisor brother, to say because this is what financial advisors do. They're always just, and I will say this in front of his face. They're a tad bullshitty, and he'll go. I go, Pat, how much money do I need to retire uh, comfortably? And he goes, well, that depends on your definition of comfortably, Kathleen. Does that mean you're playing golf at the fancy course that costs $250? Or are you willing to slum it and go over to the... I'm like, I don't don't, know. I'm not talking about all that, Pat. That's like, I don't know. So when the money is right, then I know I'm free to go. And then I just have to think, is there any last thing I want? Yeah. I don't think so.
1: I feel like I can't think of anything. Are the like, I don't know what you set out to be, but now that you sort of are in the perspective of considering retirement, are there things to be like, these are the things that I'm proud of. This is the things that I sort of wanted to do or hope for my career that I have achieved.
2: Well, no, because the weird thing is, and this is sort of like a 20 something view of it. Every year I did it. What's weird is if, if you're anywhere near my age, We didn't even know those things were going to exist, so you couldn't dream of them. Like, what's HBO? And then it shows up, and they're like, "Well, I want to get a special on HBO," but that couldn't have been a goal because it didn't exist. Sirius Radio didn't exist. I mean, all these things—Netflix didn't exist, Amazon Prime didn't. Nothing. It's all just been a wing it thing. Like, yeah, yeah. So to say, I don't know. I think actors could say the ultimate thing is like an Academy Award or you know a SAG Award, or we don't even have any of that. So. I, it's like, uh, what was the joy of paintings guy? There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no problems. There's just happy accidents. Like it just keeps being a series of random. I don't know. Is there anything yeah. left for if you only want to tell jokes and that's what you care about and you've done all the specials that you think you are done with? Is there anything I'm forgetting about?
1: It, Yeah, I I mean, it all depends on it. Ends up just being venue size or, well, I think one thing that you talked about is that you were able to do both Leno and Letterman, which I think is not a thing a lot of comedians
2: were able to do. Yeah, I was pretty proud of that because my act was just um, balanced enough that I had stuff weird enough for Letterman, but mainstream enough for Leno. And their sets were very, very different. It would hard to be, it's hard to even picture them both in one, but like, even now, I could take that hour on Amazon Prime and go, okay, this is what I... If I had to do it on Leno, I would do all the jokes about my mom and dad. Because that's mm. middle America. And then if it was something else, I would do the Bigfoot thing, or weirder for Letterman. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was proud of that. Yeah, I forgot about that. But but even at the time, you know, we're all doing it, Letterman yeah, yeah. or Leno. And some people are just more built for one or the other.
1: By touring as much as you have and doing the act you have, do you feel like you have have a... Deeper understanding of America? Do you feel like you get it in a way that it's not yes. gotten?
2: Yeah, I really do. But you know what's weird is like my brother gets it, and he, but he went to school in the South for four years, uh, is a golf guy. We've all traveled a lot. There's a get it part of the like society that I'll never forget. This is so, this shows you how off I was. So Brad Pitt married Ma- Angelina Jolie, and they would go to Missouri down by Springfield, down in the Ozarks, kind of. And my brother called me one day. He goes, Angelina Jolie, alert, Walmart, Springfield. I go, no. And all I was thinking of was Gia. And I go, how do they even recognize her? He's like, Laura Kraft, Tomb Raider, motherfucker. I go, oh, right, right. I don't even think about that shit. But, like, my brother Patrick gets it. There's yeah. a thing of traveling, and when you go live in an area, he's moved or enough that we're all the same, but we're all different. Like we are all the same. They everybody laughs at the same jokes. I can be in Portland, Oregon, or New York City, or Sarasota, Florida. All the jokes will work, but there are differences. Yeah, yeah. Pick pick carefully, America. Choose wisely. <laughs> Just saying. Now I used to do that joke That I'm going to write a travel book called Skip It And it's (laughs) As a public service Announcement that's why nobody can bitch at me It won't even cost money it's just my opinion It's free. like people when they go I want to retire and go all around America I'm like no you don't I'll tell you where you want to go And all around isn't a good No you're going to waste a lot of gas and time (laughs) (laughs)
1: So now it's time for the final segment of the show. It's called The Laughing Round. It's like a lightning round, but because this is a comedy podcast, I've uh, called it a, uh, The Laughing Round. Okay. Um, so, do you have the favorite time you've ever bombed where you bombed? You're like, this is fun. This is great. This is good.
2: Yeah, a corporate gig in Miami and nobody in the crowd spoke English. Swear to God. No one checked. How did no one check that? And then the guy who booked me, he was like, I'm the uncle of one of um, uh, the killers, the band The Killers. I'm like, or one of those bands. I go, oh no, Mumford & Sons. Yeah, yeah. I was like, he spoke English? I'm like, yeah. For 45 minutes, I stood up there and talked to the sound guy. And it'd be like you sitting there, and he knew it was awful, and I knew it was awful, but I didn't do this. It was a Catholic relief of guilt. Hey, man, I showed up with an act. It is not my fault. Yeah. So, and I made a ton of money and I walked right out not feeling bad about it. And I'm like, that's on you.
1: Yeah. You did the job. That's you on paid you, for-
2: Deutsche Bank. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: do you have a, a short story of a, an interaction with a legendary comedian, living or dead, you'd be willing to share with us?
2: Living or dead? Well, one time this is pretty funny roseanne was running for president like for real and sure, yeah. uh, she was friends with kelly carlin who's george carlin's daughter and she's kelly's a very normal just regular person and kelly had people over and when i got over there just a regular house by the airport roseanne was on top of the table with her political speech and she saw me and i had happened to have a cheese ball that i brought with me and she was like kathleen what's in your cheese ball And I go, that's why you can't be president, Roseanne. You can't be in the middle of your speech and then ask somebody if you can have their cheese ball.
1: Um, Do you have any advice for an aspiring comedian?
2: Uh, Well, I feel like you have to at some point get involved in the road. Now, there are other comedians who will say that you don't have to. But most of the good ones... Look at the track record. They've been on the road here and there or forever. Or so you have to like the idea of travel because I do see a lot. There were a lot of funny women in Houston. And then there were like three of them that are like, yeah, I just can't do that traveling thing. So make sure you like travel, would be my advice. Make sure you, because if you don't, you're just going to hate. Unless it's just a hobby in town. But. Uh...
1: Yeah. And so last one. um, Do you have a joke that you thought was really funny that you tried over and over again, but you can't get to work, but you'll go to your grave being like, I think that I think the audience was wrong this one.
2: Yeah, I did used to have one about the sound of music um, that I thought was great. And it just never. What was it where the nun was like. Oh, it's when she comes back to the convent, I guess you have to see the movie and it's too much to explain and the, the nun goes, Maria, my child, i you in love with him? Just once I wanted Julie Andrews as the nun to go, oh, I don't know if I'm in love with him. I've slept with him, I fucked him, but I'm not in love. But you kind of almost have to do the setup too long, and I didn't do it right. And then I think people just thought I was mean or something. I don't know. <laughs> it didn't work that good. Yeah.
1: I think it's great. Um, Well, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. That's the end. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Yeah, that's the end. All right. That's it for another episode of Good One. Stream Hunting Bigfoot on Prime Video. Stream Madigan's Pubcast wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Kathleen on Twitter at KathleenMadigan and on Instagram at officialkathleenmadigan. Good One is produced by myself, Jelani Carter, and Camila Salazar. God from Shikishin did our theme song. Rate our view and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, Five Stars Please. Email the comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to GoodOnePodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at Podcast. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Good one's production of Vulture in the Box Media Podcast Network. We're here every other Tuesday. Have a good one.
2: Welcome
0: to Good One. Show about talking them jokes. Mm,
2: Hey, 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 Good One.
0: It's a good one. Why do you run? Why does anyone?